like to direct your attention this evening to the book of Esther. Amen. The book of Esther, chapter number 4, and beginning with verse number 11. Amen. Thank you to all those that are in the house of God tonight. Amen. Let's keep in prayer those that are not here with us tonight, that God would strengthen them, that God would help them. The book of Esther, chapter 4, and verse number 11. Amen. And uh, we'll begin reading just a few verses of Scripture. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. This is the words of Esther to her cousin, caretaker, Mordecai. And verse 12 says, And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. And he said it like this. This was Mordecai's response to that young orphan girl that he took care of since she was a baby. Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape into the king's house more than all the Jews. In other words, don't think you're going to be able to escape the coming uh, doom or punishment uh, and, and everybody else uh, fall and, and uh, be killed except for yourself. 14, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And he says those famous words that we've preached on many of times. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go Gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night and day, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. And just for a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you about Esther's miraculous story. Amen. Would you pray with me tonight? Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come into this house and worship today on this Wednesday evening, God. We thank you for the the privilege that we have to hear the preached word of the Lord. Lord, to hear the word of God opened and explained and preached in a public proclamation tonight, Lord. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you would anoint my lips of clay. Anoint every heart and every mind to be receptive to that, uh, that word from heaven tonight, Lord. Let it find a place in our hearts. Let there be practical application for our lives that is given here tonight, Lord. Give us understanding. Give us revelation tonight. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, are doing, and what you have yet to do. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. The book of Esther takes place at the king's palace in Shushan, the capital of the Persian kingdom. Cyrus, the first Persian king, had already called for the deported Jews to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. We see that in Ezra chapter 1 and verse number 2. But many of the Jews at that time had preferred the comfort of their new life in Persia. They had gotten comfortable in their new state of captivity. They had gotten comfortable in where they were at in life. And the challenge that the priest or the prophet gave them about returning to Jerusalem and building that capital city of God, amen, was something that uh, they did not necessarily want to hear. They got comfortable where they were. And may we as a church never become so comfortable in the world in which we live that we're not willing to reach out and grab a hold of some heavenly promises tonight. But many of the Jews prefer the comfort of their new life in Persia to the potentially toilsome life in Jerusalem and rebuilding their devastated homeland. They looked at the the work that God had for them to accomplish and they, they, they shrunk back in fear. They shrunk back in hesitancy uh, and there was a certain apprehension on their part not to go forward and do the work of God because make no mistake about it, the work of God is the work of God. It requires work from the people, amen, to get a hold of and then grab a hold of promises. Can I remind you tonight that God spoke, amen, to Moses about uh, the promised land. And when it came time to go into the promised land, the people of God had to face off with a Jericho. They had to work, in other words, amen, and they had to reach out and grab a hold of some things. It still takes work in the church, amen, to grab a hold of heavenly promises and bring them into the here and now and into the natural tonight. Moving forward in this story, Esther's obedience, we would see, we shall see, amen, from uh, this tonight. Esther's obedience would lay the foundation for the subsequent restoration of Jerusalem. Because although Esther follows the book of Nehemiah in chronological order of the Old Testament scriptures, amen, it actually was Esther's story that predates Nehemiah's account, her actions and the divine providence that accompanied her life allowed for Nehemiah to be able, amen, to build a wall and see that restoration of Jerusalem. It was Esther's obedience to the man of God in her life, Mordecai, amen, and the things that she did uh, approaching uh, great decisions, approaching uh, circumstances and situations with prayer and with fasting. It was her obedience to the Word of God, amen, that allowed a Nehemiah to come onto the scene a little bit later. And then we would find out that it was Esther's stepson, amen, the next king on the throne that would show divine favor to Nehemiah and allow him uh, access to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because Esther, amen, left an impact and she laid a foundation Foundation, amen, for the next generation of people that would come onto the scene. Amen. Can I stress tonight the importance of women of God, amen, that know how to pray. Women of God that know how to follow the lead of the men of God. Women of God, amen, that do not use 
You see, there must be, amen, understanding of the roles and responsibilities that I have within the kingdom. Amen. It's my, uh, it's, it's my desire tonight that the, as a result of this message tonight, there would be people that walk away with an understanding of and a revelation of my role within the kingdom. It's not because I'm a woman uh, that I am excluded from doing the will of God. It's not because I've got things against me that I'm excluded from doing the will of God. There's got to be understanding and revelation of the role that I feel within the kingdom. The responsibility that I have within the kingdom. Everybody in this place, under the sound of my voice, has a role and has a responsibility yes. to fulfill in the kingdom of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Everybody has a role and a responsibility to fulfill in the kingdom of God. Her actions, Esther's actions, and the divine providence, uh, we stated that accompanied her life, allowed for Nehemiah to later build that wall and see the restoration of Jerusalem. Also, on another note, while it has been disputed, amen, by many uh, commentators and scholars that this book, uh, the book of Esther, should not necessarily have been uh, Placed within the canon of Scripture uh, because it never once explicitly names the name of God in its story. But it should be noted tonight that it is God's hands that can be seen throughout these pages of this story. So just because you don't know what's going on in your life and in your story does not and mean that God is not still involved in every aspect of your life. Just because you may be going through a situation or a storm and you, you don't know exactly what God's doing, you don't understand where you fit into the canon of Scripture, into the story of your life, if you will, does not mean that God is not involved in your story. Amen. I'm going to tell you tonight that God cares about the details of your life. If He cares about a sister D's kids, then He cares about my kids. If He cares about sister Gina's family, then He cares about my, about my family. Amen. Just because I don't know how it all, amen, finishes the story, how the story ends, and how everything concludes, does not mean that God is not involved in the middle of my story. He's absolutely involved in your story tonight. Amen. Regarding, uh, and I'm going to run through a little bit of the details for the sake of time. Amen. Trusting that there's many that have heard the story of Queen Esther and how her what her involvement was in the kingdom, uh, the day in which she lived. Amen. There was uh, the king that was on the throne, Ahasuerus. Amen. And he had, uh, he, he was this mighty conqueror, this madman, as some uh, historians tell you. Amen. That he was a very violent man. He had, a con- he had conquered many a lands. He was a very feared person. Amen. You did not mess with King Ahasuerus. And it was Ahasuerus that sat back after one of his victories and began to drink with all of his comrades and cohorts and began to party uh, like you wouldn't believe. And there was no limitations on it. And they just partied and partied and drank and just got 
crazier and crazier. Amen. And in the middle of that, one of the parties, amen, he called for Queen Vashti, his wife, to, to come out and display her glory, display her beauty for the for all the kingdom to look at and to admire. And she, she uh, took him as though he was trying to mock her and he was trying to ridicule her and make her an, an object, amen, and something that people would just look on with lust. And there probably was that involved in the, the, the king's uh, desires, amen. But he wanted to show his power. He wanted to show his beauty, amen. But Vashti, Queen Vashti, we never in this uh, read about a time in which she would be able to have that time with the king and approach him in his throne room. And though she was related to the king by marriage, amen, she was not connected to the king. Can I tell somebody today, amen, it's dangerous when you're related, amen, but you're not connected. Amen. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by that is it's possible, amen, to go into the waters of baptism and be filled with the Holy Ghost and and be repentant of your sins and then move forward in your Christian walk and never establish a relationship with God. Never, ever get connected to the King. You can be related. You've got His blood flowing through your veins. You can have His name put upon your life. But if you never have a relationship with Him, it's a dangerous place to be. Jesus Himself said in the Gospels that there's going to be those, brother, amen, that stand before me on Judgment Day and say, have we not cast out devils in thy name? And in thy name have done many mighty works. And then I'm going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Amen. It's possible, amen, to seek miracles. Amen. Because you know how to use a name. And it's possible to see many mighty works because you know how to do it. But it's not possible, amen, to get from here to glory unless you've got relationship, divine connection with the Father. There's got to be, amen, a divine, amen, connection with God. I've got to make sure. That I'm not just holding up my credentials and saying, ah, I was water baptized in Jesus' name. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Hey, look at me. I'm okay. Amen. But I cannot do that. You cannot do that. We cannot fall into that trap of saying we're apostolic and all of these things and yet not have the relationship with God. There's got to be relationship. There's got to be connection. You've got to have your daily bread in Jesus' name. It's dangerous when you're related but not connected. It's easy to find ourselves related in the sense that we've got the blood and the name applied to our lives, but we but we are staying connected to that same Jesus. We can cause a lot of harm to the body and negate the power that's needed to reach the world if we just say, well, well I'm apostolic and look at me, I'm covered from head to toe, I'm, I'm holy, but yet there's not uh, a divine, real heart connection you've got with Jesus. Amen. Well, you can say, Brother Nate, he's my friend. Amen. Jesus is my friend. I talked with him today. I got a relationship with him. Amen. Vashti found herself related but not connected to the king. Hallelujah. And there's damage that happens. People begin to look in and they say, well, 
Yeah, they think they're all that, but there's no power. There's no uh, real connection. There's no real relationship. Amen. Moving uh, to the the next queen uh, that would replace Queen Vashti, and it was uh, a Hebrew orphan whose name was Esther. Amen. We know from the scriptures. Amen. And I'm going to be jumping around a little bit today and based upon the fact that you know this story about Esther. But Vashti was replaced, amen, because she was not willing to go before the king and all of his cohorts and show her beauty. And so she was replaced. And the, the, uh, the counsel that was given to the king was just select somebody else. Let's let's put let's do a search throughout the entire kingdom. Uh, let's have a beauty contest. Let's find the, the most beautiful woman in the entire land. Let her be the next queen. And so they did that, and the lot fell. Amen. The uh, fortune fell upon Esther, that Hebrew orphan. And it would we would go on to see in scriptures that Esther, that Hebrew orphan, would use her talent in the kingdom for the benefit of God's people. Esther grew up under the influence and the direction and the counsel and the upbringing of her cousin, her older cousin Mordecai, who who invested into her and who took her uh, under his wing. And and he just spent time with her and teaching her all the things about how to be a lady, how to be a Christian, or how to be a good Jew, how, how how to live for God, how to please Jehovah, how to do all of these things. And one thing that Mordecai taught her was how to use your talent for the Lord. If God gives you a talent, Esther, use it for his glory. If God gives you an ability, Esther, don't bury in a field. Amen. Don't bury in a field. Don't don't uh, don't hide it. Uh, amen. That the church won't know. Amen. That you have this great talent. Uh, amen. But let God use your talent, Esther. Let God use your talent. Uh, and most of all, use your talent in the kingdom. If God's given you ability to sing or play, don't use it for the world. Use it for God. If God's given you ability, amen, uh, to do whatever it is, don't use it for the world. Use it for God. Put God in the middle of everything. God, how can my talent be used for your kingdom? And we're going to go on to see that Esther, in, in fact, uh, used her talent in the kingdom for the benefit of, the, of God's people. It was never for her own benefit. But it was always for the benefit of God's people. The reason we use our talents for the Lord is for the benefit of his people. It's not so people will say, wow, Sister Gina, she's really good at that ministry she's got. No. It's just so that through that ability, that talent, that skill, that beauty that you have, you use it for the Lord. And, and the people of God are blessed by it. The people of God are blessed by it. If the people of God are being hurt by the things you're doing, you're doing it the wrong way. If the people of God are being uh, uh, handicapped because of your influence, you're doing it the wrong way. There's a right way to do it. Amen. And Mordecai uh, was able to give counsel to that younger uh, person, Esther. And may, may we always have an open ear, amen, to the counsel of the elders. May we always have an open ear and an open heart to, to godly counsel in our lives. 
That we don't say, well, I, I know enough. I don't need you to speak into my life. Help me to receive, amen, godly counsel in my life. Esther kept an open ear and an open heart to Mordecai's counsel and advice in her life. She was that sponge that said, "Uh, Cousin Mordecai, what should I do here? Let me tell you, Esther, this is what I recommend. I've I've, I've seen a few things. This is what I think you ought to do. Even when it didn't seem like it was the right thing. Even when Mordecai said, Don't tell them you're a Jew, Esther. She probably said, Well, no, I need to tell them. I need to let them know. He said, No, don't tell them yet. There's a right time and there's a wrong time. She could have launched out in spiritual maturity and just did whatever she wanted to do. But she said, no, I'm going to hear this man. And it saved her and her people. Amen. Be willing to receive advice. Be willing to receive counsel. When you change your location, such as uh, Esther going from uncle or cousin Mordecai's house to the palace... Amen. When you change your location, amen, from the uh, cousin's house to the palace, amen. When you advance in life from uh, from the bottom rungs of your career to the, the to the top of the ladder, amen. When you change your location in life, don't change your convictions. Yes, amen. Even though Esther may have started out, amen, just uh, maybe even a poor lad uh, with her cousin Mordecai, yet when she ascended to the throne, when she ascended to the king palace. Amen. Her convictions they did not change. Her location changed. But her convictions stayed rock solid. She stayed connected. Amen. To where she came from. She stayed connected to the voice of her her man of God, Mordecai. She stayed connected to that counsel that grounded her, that gave her a solid footing, a firm foundation in life. She did not change her conviction. And neither should you change your conviction. Neither should we modify, amen, and and compromise our convictions, amen, to suit the next uh, higher place that God wants us to live. Amen. Esther represented the spirit of sacrifice that was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Esther had an understanding of self-sacrifice. If I, she said, regarding approaching the king, and she understood the ramifications, if if you go into the king's throne room uh, uninvited, and the king doesn't approve, if he doesn't hold out the golden scepter, you're going to be killed, you're going to be taken away. Uh, She understood, and she said, if I perish, I perish. Amen. She had that understanding of self-sacrifice for the good of the kingdom, for the good of the people of God. There still has to be, in 2019, a self-sacrificial spirit that gets into the church that says, you know what? Yeah, I could use that money for myself, but the church has a need, so I'm going to sacrifice, amen, that big boat or whatever it is. I'm going to sacrifice uh, Starbucks coffee drink so I can give to the church. I'm going to sacrifice uh, an hour of my uh, week weeknight so that I can go to church. I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of my time on Saturday so I can go to outreach, sacrifice a little bit of my time, and so on and so forth. But she understood that there's self-sacrifice involved in serving 
in the kingdom. There's self-sacrifice. Esther approached the king's throne in supplication for the people and was willing to lay down her life to save the Jews. Jesus approaches the throne of God for the future of mankind and giving his own life to save the church. In this sense, Esther was a type of Christ. Esther did not make her decisions or base her actions on her personal betterment or on variables such as the mood of the king or the direction, the wind. She did not base her uh, actions, did not make her decisions based on how is this going to advance me? How am I going to uh, achieve a little bit more? How am I going to better uh, myself by serving in the kingdom? What's in it for me? It wasn't about what's in it for me to Esther. The question Esther was asking was not what's in it for me. The question Esther was asking is how can I bless the people of God? What can I do, amen, if I've got to sacrifice, amen, my life on the line? What can I do to see the church go forward? What can I do to see a church established? What can I do, amen, to see the kingdom of God come to the city? What can I do? We've all got to ask ourselves that question. What can I do? Brother, no, what can I do? What can I do? What is it that I... God's requiring of me. What's my role and my responsibility in the kingdom? Esther took her life, her future, and her destiny into her hands, willing to sacrifice it all on behalf of her people. She recognized that first, I'm a Jew. First, I'm a child of God. First, I'm a child of God. Then, I'm a senior financial analyst. Then, I'm a civil engineer. Then, I'm a medical coder. First, I'm a child of God. First, I'm a Christian. First, I'm one of his. First, I'm blood-bought. I'm sanctified. Amen. First, amen, I'm a child of God. Then, I'm everything else that I need to be. But first and foremost, my walk with God comes first. My commitment, my consecration, amen, my sacrifice is to the Lord. Then it's to everything else. First is Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. Esther recognized, first I'm a Jew. Then I'm the queen. First I'm a Jew. First I'm a child of God. Then I'm in the palace. First I'm in his presence. Then I'm in the palace. And while living at the highest pinnacle of Persian court life, she, Esther, displayed how God can uniquely use people who are willing in their time and place and way to live, amen, or die sacrificially for the good of others, but living at the highest court in the land of all of Persia, she displayed how God can uniquely use people with different talents and abilities, amen, not everybody in this place 
has the same talent or the same ability, but everybody can use the talent and the ability and the beauty that God has given them for His glory, for the advancement of His kingdom. And I've got to find what is my place. How can God uniquely use me to see the furtherance of the kingdom of God? To see the expansion of the kingdom. You've got to ask yourself that question. How can God uniquely use me? How can God use me like he can't use Brother Walmer? How can God use Brother Walmer like he can't use Brother Dan? How, how can God use me like nobody else? Where do I fit? What's that role that I can play? Esther maybe had a lot of limitations, no doubt, as a female in a male-dominated world. She could have relegated herself to the, to the sidelines, to the shadows, and said, I'm a female. I live in a male-dominated world. I don't have any authority. I don't have, any, I don't have voting rights. I don't have nothing. I'm a female. She could have used that and just sat back and said, listen, cousin, I understand what you're saying, but I'm a female. You see, I got this limitation. I can't do what you can do. It's easy for you to say, Mordecai, you're a male. You don't understand what I'm going through. We've heard that before. But she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow the limitations to be pulled back. And I'm going to allow that limitless potential that God has given me as a child of God to reach for something that everybody else says is unreachable. God can uniquely use everyone in this place to touch somebody. God can uniquely use somebody in this place to touch a chief executive officer of a large corporation. God can uniquely use somebody in this place to touch a mayor of this city. God can uniquely use somebody in, in this church to reach a, a, a homeless person on the street that may never be seen passing this way again. But God can use you. How can I uniquely be used of God? Esther just allow God to move through your life. Stop putting limitations on your life, Esther. Stop uh, re relegating yourself to the sidelines because you've got a handicap. You've got a limitation. You've been born a certain way and so you can't reach for things that others can reach for. Stop putting limitations on yourself, Esther. What can I uniquely be used of God to accomplish in the kingdom? The beauty of Esther was more than skin deep. And we need to be set free of what's in it for me. And start asking what can I do for the people of God. Esther did not uh, in this particular juncture in Jewish history. When they were faced with, uh, with a uh, ter with termination or extermination of the Jewish people. Amen. Uh, Esther and Mordecai and others in the kingdom did not resort to infighting. They did not resort to putting the blame game and say, well, that person would have done that. If Mordecai would have been out so uh, outlandish with his faith, if, if Esther would just be a little bit more bold, if, if uh, the cousin or, or the, the neighbor down the road would have yeah. just kept not bowing to, to Haman, if that person over there would, would not talk in tongues so loud, if that person over there would just show up and, and blaming everybody instead of saying there's a cause, we've got to work together, there's a cause. Amen that they have that we have in the kingdom of God and we've got to come together and allow God to work in our unified spirit in a harmonious 
church and see a restoration like this world has never seen before. God, I've got to stop blaming my brothers. I've got to stop blaming my sisters. Well, if they would do this, then I could do this. They did not resort to infighting with their people, but they were unified, amen, as a people. Mordecai asked that question. We read it a moment ago in the book of Esther, chapter 4. Who knows, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? This is something we all must know and understand God's timing. We've got to understand God's timing. Appreciate what Brother Walmer mentioned a moment ago about due season. God put those words in his mouth a few moments ago. There's a due season. I receive that. We must know and understand God's timing in putting us where he puts us and with the talents he's given us. So God, I I can play the drums. So God, I I can play the guitar. So God, I, I can drive a van. So God, I can do this. But why did you give me this talent, God? In 2019, why did you give me this talent, this ability in the place that I'm at, in the time in which I'm living? Why, God? And there has to be understanding and revelation. God gave me this talent for this place, for this time. Who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? God, it may very well be, and I believe it with all of my heart, that you put me with the talents you put me with, in the place you put me with, amen, in this particular season of my life. God, that I might show forth your glory, that I might be used of God to see the benefit and the good welfare of the people of God. It's not for my own betterment. It's not for my own ability. And so I can get glory. But it's so God, you can receive glory. That your people might be blessed. That the people of God might go forward. Esther was beautiful. And she was talented. Amen. In fact, she was the most beautiful woman in that entire land. But without the king's, amen, favor, it meant very little. You cannot rely only upon talent, amen, and looking good to get you by. You've got to get his favor upon your life. You cannot rely, amen, and say, well, I, I can, I sing beautifully, naturally. I play beautifully, naturally. I can do all of, the, all of these things naturally. Instead saying, God, I've got to get better, God. I, I cannot rely only upon my talent. But I've got to put on, I've got to put in some time in prayer. I've got to put time in on my knees and say, God, this talent you've given me, I I thank you for it, God. But it's not enough to accomplish the mission unless I get the favor of the king upon my life. I've got to pray some things through, amen, on my knees so God can use my talent and my ability 
Esther did not just walk into the king's throne room without praying and fasting. She did not use her, uh, her beauty, her talent, her ability without first coming to the church and praying. And saying, oh God, I thank you that you, and I pray this humbly, Lord, maybe this is her prayer. God, thank you that I'm so beautiful. Thank you that I'm the most beautiful woman this entire land. But God, it doesn't mean nothing unless I got your favor. If you've given me beauty, I'm going to be humble about it. But I'm going to mix my talent with prayer and with fasting. And I'm going to say, God, multiply what I've been given. Use it for your glory. God, if it's a, a, a teaching ministry to teach Bible studies. I'm not just going to show up to teach a Bible study without praying. Because I got this lesson down. I learned it 15 years ago. I'm going to still cover it in prayer. I'm going to pray and fast on it, God. I want you to use me. I'm not just going to show up to Saturday morning outreach and just go knock doors because I'm comfortable in my skin and, and I, I can talk to strangers if that's the case, that's wonderful. But come and pray and seek God. And say, God, before I step out to ministry, I want, I want your favor upon my life. I want the favor of God upon my life. Don't rely on talent and looking good to get you by. Get his favor. Esther realized that there are qualities in life that are far more important than beauty and riches and power. She had an understanding of what was truly important in life she found a way to get into the king's presence Esther found a way to get into his presence she talked to her cousin what do I got to do she, she prayed about it she, she sought counsel about it how do I do this how do I get into, into God's presence and in this Behind this pulpit, there's been lessons and teachings. Brother Walmer has, has given so many. I've given many on prayer. How to get into God's presence. And yet some people still don't know how to get into his presence. Don't know how to articulate in English your needs and say, God, I love you, God. I, I need your help on this subject, God. I worship you, Lord. My Father, our Father, which art in heaven. And that pattern of prayer. There's a depth you can get in God's presence if you listen to the Lord's prayer. And it's our Father, which art in heaven. There, there's some teachings that we've given about how to get into the King's presence. Yes. Why get into the palace if you can never get into his presence? Why get into the church unless you're willing to go deeper and get into his presence? Yes. It's not enough to say, I'm in the church. It's not enough for Esther to say, I'm in the palace. Everything's okay. But there still was something on the inside. They said, I've got to get into the king's presence. I've got to get into his presence. I don't want to just show up to church. But I want to go further. I want to go deeper. I want to get into his presence. I want to feel God for myself. I want to feel him. I want to know him. In case you didn't know, 
the king Ahasuerus was a bad hombre, as we say. It is known through the study of history that Ahasuerus, or otherwise known as Xerxes, after he subdued Egypt, set out to invade Greece with 1,200 ships. That's 1,200 ships and a possible 1 million man army. Xerxes or Ahasuerus, amen, he was also the madman who beheaded his chief military engineers when a terrible storm destroyed the bridge that they designed and built. Amen, he just beheaded all of the engineers. He was capable of murder. He was capable of destruction. Amen. At one point, he seated himself on the on a throne of gold on a hilltop in Greece to see his vast fleet of ships as they destroyed the ships of Athens. He sat back on his big gold throne and watched it all take place. He'd kill you and he wouldn't think twice about it. Esther had to have known that. That my husband, well, he might be Try and, try and be sweet to me. He has the potential to do some crazy stuff. But she knew how to approach the king. Do you know how to approach your God? Do you know how to walk into God's presence? I love the way Brother Walmer tells us about praying before. Good morning, God. It's me. I love you. That's a relationship. That's talking with him. Father, I love you today. God, you're wonderful. Is it any wonder that when people, historically, when they would go before the king, they would say, Oh, great king, live forever. Have you heard that before? Oh, great king, live forever. Acknowledging their power, their majesty, worshiping them. We do the same thing when we come to prayer. Oh, God of heaven, you're the one true God. There's none beside you. I worship you, Lord. You've been so faithful to me. You've been so good. God, you've never lost a battle. God, you're beautiful. God, you're wonderful. God, how majestic is your throne. Lord, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows your handiwork. That's approaching the king and saying, oh, I recognize your power, oh, great king, and I worship you and I love you. And the king loves to hear that. I love you. I, I, I want to please you. She didn't silence the voice of the elder or the pastor in her life, which was her cousin Mordecai. In fact, his authority in her life meant more to her than her current station in life. There's something about understanding the value and the importance of the preacher in your life. The value and the importance of the preacher in your life. That's why when the preacher's preaching, if it's Brother Walmer or myself or, or Brother Paul or Bishop or, or whatever visiting evangelist comes, amen, we need to preach with the preacher and yeah. say, yes, sir, I, I believe it. Yes, sir, I receive it. That's what I need, preacher. Just preach the word. Just sound the, the clarion sound. Just preach it clear. Let me know. I don't want to silence the voice of the preacher in my life. I want their authority over my life. I want their authority over my life. On the topic of the elders, Mordecai had made up his mind a long time ago that he would not bow to the opinion of men. 
And we ought to thank God every day for the elders. Amen. The elders who wouldn't bow, who wouldn't quit, who wouldn't give up. And those around them compromise. Thank God that somebody held fast. Somebody held true. Somebody just cleaved, amen, to that which was good. God turned the fate of the people of the Jews because of Esther's obedience. When foes came up against her, such as Haman and his gallows, it was God that had the final authority. Haman embodied pride and jealousy and revenge. Those are the spirits that Haman embodied. Haman embodied pride. He wanted the glory. He wanted to ride that horse. He wanted the king's uh, cloak around his back. He wanted people to bow down to him. Amen. Haman embodied pride and jealousy. He was jealous of Mordecai. And he wanted revenge. And anytime those spirits begin to lift up their head in your life, pride and jealousy and revenge, amen, you've got to realize, amen, for the will of God to go forward, Haman must Die, pride, and jealousy, and revenge have got to die on an altar of repentance. God, it's not about me. It's about the people of God. Your pride has got to go. Your jealousy's got to go. Your revenge has got to go. It's got to be God. What's best for the people? What's best for the kingdom of God? The spirit of Haman must die at the altar of repentance. Anytime you, I remember hearing uh, Brother Dan Seagraves. I studied under him in Bible college years ago. He's a doctor. Uh, he's got his doctorate in theology or whatever specific concentration it's in. He's a learned man, educated, written many books. He said one time, the one thing I struggle with is pride. Because God's used me, I've done good things, and it's easy for me to think that I'm better than I am. He said, every time I start feeling that spirit of pride creep up, I get down to my knees and I start praying again. God, I've got to bury this pride. This, this spirit of pride's got to die out on an altar. Anytime, anytime we start thinking Praise higher God. of ourselves than we are, we got to know I got to get back to the altar. God. Pastor, just give that altar call. Preacher, just give that altar call. I'm feeling the spirit of pride or jealousy or, or revenge or division. God, I've got to, I've got to die out on the altar again. I'm gonna take up my cross and follow you, but Haman must die. Pride and jealousy and vengefulness must die out on an altar of repentance. It must die. You must be the one that can recognize and say, I've got to get back to an altar. I think I'm better than I really am. I've got away from humility and humbleness. I've got to pray. I've got to repent. I've got to fast. Haman must die. The story of Esther reveals to us that you don't mess with the king's bride and get away with it. Be careful who you fight against. Be careful what you come up against. 
the book of Acts, I think it was a Gamaliel mentioned. We ought to be careful here in case we find ourselves fighting against God himself with persecuting the church. But Esther impacted generations that were to come. If we could stand tonight, and I'm closing right now. And I want to leave you with this tonight. The book of Esther contains in its shadows a message of the beauty of the church. The book of Esther contains in its shadows a message of the beauty of the church. Queen Vashti appears as the nation of Israel who refused to display the king's beauty and goodness to the world. Vashti sat back and said, I'm not going to show forth, I'm not going to show the beauty and the goodness of the king to the world. I'm not, I'm going to hide. I'm going to sit back. In my comfort, comfortable area, in my lounging area, I'm not going to display my beauty and my goodness to the world. And Esther appears as a church ready to do the bidding of the king and to be the medium by which the king is magnified. Esther steps out in obedience, amen, to the one under whom she is placed for preparation to be presented to the king. She steps out. In a vulnerable position, in a vulnerable state, and says, I just want, I just want to be used. I, I want somebody to look at my life and glorify God. I want somebody to see my life and see the goodness of the King and see the blessings of the King upon my life. She is obedient to the one whom she is placed under for her preparation. And like Esther, amen, she refuses reliance, amen. She refuses reliance on the multitude of artificial means for beauty enhancement. It was Esther that when she was getting ready to go before the king said, I don't need those jewels, honey. I don't need all those ornaments on my body. You keep the earrings, baby. You keep the necklace. You keep keep the rings. You keep all that stuff. I don't want ornamentation. Uh, the, the beauty of God's going to shine through my body, going to shine through my face, going to shine through my life. Amen. And she refused reliance upon the, the means of this world for beauty enhancement. And it was through her obedience and her willingness to follow God's will for her life that she becomes savior of the people who are in turn are enabled to be witnesses to the world in which they live. Because Esther 8 and 17 says after uh, these occurrences that many of the people of the land became Jews. They found God. Because Esther said, God, if you want me to show the, the goodness, show the blessings, show the favor of my relationship that I've got with the king and his hand upon my life, I don't mind showing forth the praises of him that brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. God, just use me. Help me to approach the king. God, help me to get into his presence. Help me to be used. I wonder if we could lift our hands in this place. And I wonder if we could 
just reach out to him on this Wednesday evening. I feel the Holy Ghost at the head of the church is sending a message to the body tonight. The head of the church is sending a message to the body. It's time to assume your rightful place. Amen. In the king's palace. To assume your rightful place in the king's throne room. Come on, I think we can do better than that. Why don't we lift up our voices? Come on, let's lift up our voices to him right now. Lord, I pray, Lord, for this beautiful, beautiful, talented group of people in this church building tonight, Lord, that you would give them understanding of the times, revelation of their role and responsibility in the kingdom. And I pray, Lord, for divine favor, God's favor, God's favor, boldness, 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 Lord. Boldness, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, would you use Abundant Life Center of Lathrop and the families in this church, Lord, to uniquely impact their world for the glory of God, for the benefit of God's people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God wants to uniquely use somebody in this place this week, amen, to do something that nobody else can do uh, in, in this church, but just yourself, just your talent, your ability alone, if you allow God to work uniquely through your life. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the boldness. I pray for the revelation. I pray for the understanding to be upon your people, Lord. Use this church, God, for the furtherance of the gospel, for the expansion of the kingdom. Use Abundant Life Center, Lord. I release anointing. I release power. I release your spirit in this place for your people tonight. In Jesus' name, I release it, Lord. I release faith right now. I release faith right now, Lord. Oh, I release faith, Lord. Shorabakando Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I leave you with this question. How can God uniquely use me in the next seven days like he can't use anybody else? 
I'll leave you with that question. How can God uniquely use you like He cannot use anybody else? And God, will you give this church the boldness in the right season, in that due season that Brother Walmer prophesied, Lord, about? I pray, use this church, Lord, to step forward in boldness, in favor, in anointing, in due season. And Lord, reach out and grab a hold of some promises. Use everybody in this church uniquely in their own way, Lord, to reach somebody. To see salvation. Lord, in Jesus' name. There's a beauty that God has given this church. There's a beauty that God has given this church. It's not so we can look in the mirror and say, look how beautiful we are. But it's so we can look at a world and say, God, how can this be used to reach a world? How can this be used to reach out and touch somebody? What's my unique ability that I have tonight? That as I move into the rest of my week, to touch a life. What's the unique ability that I've got today? Esther's unique ability was her talent and access to the throne. And she said, I'm going to use it for the furtherance of the people of God. Not for my own betterment. Not so I can go down in history and the story be written about me. But if I may affect one, if I may affect all, even better. But Brother Dan, just let me be used by God. Just let me play my role. Let me fulfill my responsibility in the kingdom of God.